Welcome to the Way Niagara Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Berta, along here with Chris Dalglish, and we have our friend AJ Dalglish. He's Chris's brother, as well as the discipleship pastor at Lake Mount Worship Center in Grimsby. And another great passion for AJ is is worship. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be kind of the theme of our conversation today. And so what I want to start with, though, AJ, is how did that become a passion for you? Kind of what was the origin story of, of that? Yeah, good, 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 good question. I've always liked music. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid liking like Sharon Lois and Bram. Do you remember them? They were like from Ontario and then skin them a rinky dinky dink. Yep. Like I would, I would rock out to them hard. Like <laughs> he's not lying. Three years old. Like, yeah. Still have family video of that. So always like loved music. Stephen Kerr's Chapman was like who mm-hmm. I wanted to be for a long time. Then I don't know. I, I guess. Well, we got into playing music. When, I think I was in grade seven. Our pastor bought drums without hardware and stuff and so chris was already playing guitar so it was like who's gonna play these things shred time and i was the only other kid i think aside from our sister who who can i pick between laurie and aj to play the drums (laughs) aj so yeah i got into playing drums now that wasn't worship leading but you know me from the world of once I was in my 20s, young, young, early 20s, playing drums as like the youth leader and the young adults leader. And so it became that. But I always felt like there was more. I actually remember in the time when you knew me 18 years ago, a friend of mine and I, we went to see the Passion Conference. I think we were actually talking mm, about this yeah, already today. Yes, we were, yeah. And uh, it was like Chris Tomlin and David Crowder mm-hmm. and... I remember watching them and I just remember feeling in my heart and maybe it was Holy Spirit talking to me. I I wasn't as familiar with the prophetic then Mm -hmm. as I would say I am now, but I remember feeling and thinking and whatever, whatever label you put on it of one day I would like to do that. Hmm. And I didn't mean playing drums. I meant like being a worship leader, leading a room full of people into the presence of God. And, uh, but yet I was listening to like punk rock music, which is like the exact opposite basically of that. Right. And the only example of good worship music we had at the time was Hillsong United. Everything else, if we're being really honest, mm-hmm. musically was pretty much the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, that, that was the early two thousands. And then, um, formative years of that just establishing relationships with worship leaders and just seeing kind of what happens with them um i myself had moments with god before that that i actually pushed out of my memory and chris maybe you remember this one we visited faith tabernacle in welland Mm -hmm. and this is actually a formative memory i still have okay we were both in youth and in worship, I just started crying and couldn't know why. I couldn't put words to it. Now mm. I understand it was the presence of God. Mm. But as a, like, I don't know, I was probably 15 if you were 18. I, I do remember it, yeah. Me and Kara took you. And you were like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was confusing to me because you were always so put together. Right. And so... 
even now, I wouldn't say I'm an emotional person, but in the presence of God, there's just this freedom, right? It was just like whatever burden I carried into that night in in Welland felt like it was melting away. Mm. Um, And so I knew that there was something special about worship. And actually, fun fact, Chris Mm -hmm. and Jordan, (laughs) the guy leading worship was none other than Pastor Matthew Tapley. Are you kidding? Yeah, for real. Yeah, you're probably right. He, at the time, I think, was the youth pastor like at that church. Mullet Matt. Uh, pre, pre-mullet. <laughs> that was the uh, the soccer hair of the early 2000s. Uh, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Anyways, this would have been the late, ni- late 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been, yeah. Or very, very early 2000s. Anyway, so, yeah, I knew there was power in the presence of God. If you're in a worship setting, there's just something different. Yeah. And I remember actually when you switched more so because mm-hmm. I knew you at first as a drummer mm-hmm. and then you were playing bass mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in youth, you started leading. Yes. And I, I, I still remember that switch. And right, kind of cool to see that that's something that you're still You mean pivot. doing. I pivoted. Yes. <laughs> yes. If you didn't hear the episode two episodes ago... We talked all about pivoting. <laughs> so go back and listen. It was very good. But um, just cool, right? To see how what started as an experience mm-hmm. became something that you're now leading other people in. I often equate worship leading in a way to being a tour guide. Right. And I think mm-hmm. we've I've experienced at least tour guides that are seeing the place for the first time. Right. And that's terrible. Yes. And sometimes that can happen, right? If we haven't... I, at least I found when I lead worship that you need to prepare your heart and you need to prepare yourself spiritually equally, if not more than how you need to prepare musically. Right. Otherwise, you're the tour guide that hasn't been there. Absolutely. Yep. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say a big teaching that coming to Lake Mount like really helped me to understand um i believe it well it's for sure in the old testament i don't remember exactly where but pastor matt will often talk about how um when the army was going out for battle they sent the worshipers out first Mm -hmm. and it's like these are in the days of if you were a levite and you were asked to like be the singer it didn't matter if you had the skill right you were sent out mm-hmm. like they basically did their version of drawing straws and it's like okay this week jordan's playing the drums uh he probably doesn't know how but like he's yeah. he's doing it mm-hmm. it's like you were assigned the task before you actually had the skill that was the old testament example and these guys were walking in before the army into this battle mm-hmm. And it was like they prepared the way and the presence of God just swept in and just made the difference, right? Like they won the battles. And it was when they started to neglect that that they started to lose. And that's when you find actually where they did the separation and then the whole time where all of the people of Israel end up being in captivity. Mm -hmm. Not talking about Egypt, talking about further on. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I need to read more into this. <laughs> but well, this is good because um, <clears throat> we did a, a conversation about worship a few weeks ago, months ago, on the podcast, and it had the most amount of questions and um, comments made about it because I think people are intrigued by worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the ones that kind of came in that I was like, oh, we need to expand on this a bit more is what did worship look like in the Old Testament? And you you just kind of nailed it. Like that it was going, they would go out into battle and, and the worshipers would go out. It was like preparing the way, um, even look at following the pillars, right? There was an element of worship involved in like following the pillar of fire and the, the pillar of cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, there was worship prior to that. Uh, it, it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't necessarily musical. It was like a response to the greatness of the presence of God. Like, you look at Moses in the burning bush, right? Like, there was just this incredible reverence for the presence of God that overwhelms him in that situation. And he's trying to figure out, like, who do I say you are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's uh, half of the worship in the Old Testament is people coming before that presence of God and in introspectively saying who do i say you are right and he's saying i am that i am i am this how do you see that it's also obedience right he said like you worship me and me alone Mm -hmm. and we can see examples using moses right when he goes up the mountain and he's gone for a while and then his sister miriam and aaron they're like Okay, I guess we're gonna we're gonna take over since he's gone for so long. And then when Moses comes back, he's like, "What are you guys doing?" And Miriam gets struck with that plague, right? Mm-hmm. Where her her skin turns into like, yeah, white as snow and is like flaking off, yeah, um, because she mishandled the presence of God. Yeah, um, it's all about obedience. Like God actually laid out for them how He wants to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's where you get the sacrifices. That's yes. where you get the, like, you had to follow very specific things. Mm-hmm. Like, God had a very specific layout and design for he wa- the way he wanted the tabernacle, mm-hmm. for the way he wanted the, um, like, all of the things surrounding that. And that's what Moses is up the mountain learning about. <laughs> and then the people are mishandling it. Yes, yes, yes. Right? And so... That's where you get issues. So yeah. um, now, interestingly, so this, is, this is cool because I like. Yeah. I was going to bring it into discipleship when we talk about New Testament worship, mm-hmm. but in Old Testament worship, like the lack of discipleship led to the mishandling of the, the presence of God. Not not intentional lack of discipleship, but like literally Moses was not present mm-hmm. when this mishandling of the presence was happening speak into that mm-hmm. uh as someone who disciples others mm-hmm. uh even in worship what are some of the, the the things in modern worship similar to in old testament worship that are easily mishandled by people well-meaning but not fully understanding the responsibility of a worship leader as a worship leader okay yeah, we quickly shifted into this place of being just a song leader. Mm-hmm. There is such a difference between a worship leader and a song leader. Yes. Like a song leader could be somebody who just sings literally the recording. Yep. 
Um, but as a worship leader, we're not called to be doing Christian karaoke. That's right. We're, Come on. We're actually called to lead people yeah. into a response to God in the way that he defines, right? Yep. This is why the Bible has things like if you read through the Psalms, it says like clap your hands. And mm-hmm. It Like the different words for worship and praise in the Hebrew language are very descriptive. We have one word for them, but like you get mm-hmm. words that like say there's a different word for clapping your hands. There's a different word for raising your hands and surrender. There's a different mm-hmm. word for raising your hands to receive from yeah. God. Um, there's literally a word about like, playing music on a stringed instrument Mm -hmm. hence the guitar solo right (laughs) yeah um bring it on there's a different word for like laying down on your face in the presence of god yeah like being on your knees so when we mishandle that we start getting into like the christian karaoke side of things where it's like worship me as i worship god yeah or as i at least make it look like i am and that is a dangerous place to be (laughs) in yeah um so this transitions well kind of into like the New Testament um, worship. And uh, as we discovered kind of in our recent studies um, at Way, like the New Testament church model didn't include worship in the way that we include it now, mm-hmm. uh, where like worship is a large chunk, can be up to 70% of the Sunday morning service or of the worship experience uh, service experience is 70% worship and then a little bit of teaching a little bit of announcements and stuff um they were heavily focused on community discipleship and conversation around you know who christ was the kingdom of coming and then obviously there was some type of response in worship it's not really well documented but from your uh, perspective as someone who studies worship and who lives worship mm-hmm. um what do you see new testament worship looking like and how does that apply to the church today yeah so you got to remember that christianity which was first called the way mm-hmm. was actually uh basically its model was judaism right mm, its right. model was that yep and it's the same god yep so really new testament worship in a in the roundabout way needs to be similar to old testament worship Mm -hmm. now worship actually changed with the tabernacle of david yes the ark of the covenant you weren't allowed to touch it was literally supposed to be in a different room and uriah learned i think it was uriah learned the hard way when he reached out to catch the ark of the covenant from Mm -hmm. falling right literally he touched it and died Because their job was to carry it on poles, not mm. literally grab it like it's a box. Yep. And that Ark of the Covenant was basically like a treasure chest that... It was the throne of God, yeah. It housed the presence of God for yeah. the people, right? Yeah. Well, the Tabernacle of David, now David, in his moments with God, felt, well, now let's not have the inner court. Let's literally bring the Tabernacle. Like, yes. Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant into the main room, and we're going to dance and sing around that. Yes. And they worshipped around the Ark of the Covenant 24-7. Around the clock, yeah. Yeah, like unstoppable singing and dancing and just going crazy and celebrating. And like that was never before, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That is more where we are now because now there's no veil between us and the Holy Spirit. So the presence of God is 
with us even here in this conversation yeah which old testament they didn't have that right um so are you saying it's okay to listen to old songs and hymns absolutely and so you're also saying then that the beauty of modern technology is that we have worship music we can take with us everywhere we go 24 7 worship is accessible do you know of any churches currently that have a 24 7 worship experience uh the obvious one is uh international house of prayer in kansas city yes um uh, it is what it is, but um, they have just on rotation people always in there praying, but also uh, people leading worship. Mm-hmm. Um, at Lake Mount, we've done a couple, couple of. Uh, it was a few years ago, like a couple day long kind of thing. Yeah, do like a twenty four hour worship, so it'd be on a two hour rotation. Mm-hmm. People would come and lead on just acoustic and singing or piano, mm-hmm. and then. Like if it was on a Friday night, then the youth band would do their two-hour window of leading, and then it would go back to just like a individual yep. time of somebody leading the rest of the people in that. Um, so we've we've done that. It is you really need people to carry it. it yes. It's unsustainable and kind of unrealistic <laughs> for us to do that. But um, when it when you're talking about wanting to be in the presence of God twenty four seven, we now can be yeah right like holy spirit is with you at all times Mm -hmm. if you don't abuse the presence um there's a book by bill johnson and it's called hosting the presence and in it he describes holy spirit like a dove when he lands on jesus right if you're in a worship atmosphere if you're in an experience and you can like you get the tingles you feel like i mean i'm trying to use the most like obvious examples of Mm -hmm. when you could maybe know that holy spirit's present in the room Mm -hmm. um let's say you just suddenly feel just joy all of a sudden right well that holy spirit is like a dove landing on your shoulder if you knew that he was a dove on your shoulder and you wanted him to stay you wouldn't be doing things that would make a dove fly away right, right? you would be right. protecting that yes. you'd be doing what you could to keep him yes um and so like for us in worship that looks like obviously doing things like um intentionally avoiding sin right habitual mm-hmm. sin and mm-hmm. intentionally trying to be careful of what we do with our time yeah. um what you intake in your eyes and your ears is what you're going to output as a worship leader as well mm-hmm. Um, so if you're watching horror movies and then you go and you try to lead worship the next morning, you're going to have a real hard time. You're going to literally be like the dove is left. Good luck. You're on your own. Hmm. Uh, now you're a song leader. Mm-hmm. Like that's a real serious responsibility. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate your perspective on that because so frequently, um, I always, I view often coming to modern worship services in different ways. And recently I've experienced some, and I'll use this imagery uh, that were like a donut and like, it it looks good and you're kind of excited to eat it, but there ain't nothing good about it. And in the middle, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just like a circle of sugar and there ain't no substance and there's no, no presence in the middle. And I feel uh, 
like we've made worship easy and re- repeatable and imitatable by anybody mm-hmm. who has a little bit of talent. And I, I don't say this because I'm angry or mocking or whatever. I say it because I revere worship so much that when I experience that hollowness in worship and, you know, even incredible human beings that I know leading worship and it's just missing the mark. It's just there's no presence of God in the center of it. It's not grounded in the presence of God or desiring it. It's more like they just want you to see them worshiping. Mm-hmm. It takes me right out. Right. It takes me right out of wanting to even stay there because to me, the presence of God in worship is what I desire the most. Mm-hmm. Um, even more than an awesome message by one of my peers or friends or mm-hmm. getting up and preaching a banger. I would rather spend that time in worship yeah. and getting to absorb the presence of God, just letting him touch my soul, letting him, you know, speak, as you say, prophetically mm-hmm. to me um, in those moments. And I've been in those moments where like the spirit of God comes in and I'm getting up to preach a sermon and he's changes my message or opens my eyes to the scripture that I've already prepared and spent hours preparing and says, say this instead, or like, Hey, take this application and run with it. And then when I preach it and speak it over the people, it absolutely changes the experience that those people have from that message. And then the response is to return to worship. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that if, we take our worship service experience seriously. We will be very careful as leaders and disciple makers to put people in charge of those that aren't just talented, mm-hmm. but have a unique love for the presence of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit in that room. For sure. And also being on the platform, um, whatever you call it, stage platform, Mm -hmm. whatever term you use for it, you're, you in a way, you as a pastor, you as the person who's asked them to lead that song, Mm -hmm. you're endorsing them. Yep. So really, it's a place that needs to be held with a little bit more like of a sacred Mm -hmm. thing to it because of that very reason, Um, whether it's verbal or not. Yep. Some pastors after the worship set in front of the whole congregation will be like, what a great job Billy Bob just did. Let's (laughs) give him a hand. And it's like, okay, we're kind of missing the point here. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Instead, it should be like, everybody maybe wants to feel like they were recognized, but you're kind of missing the point when you're pointing out one person, Mm -hmm. like just because, um, Billy Bob knows how to play guitar and sing doesn't mean that he actually hosted the presence of God and brought people in, right? Yeah. Um, it could be just that he had a really good vocal day. Like the dude didn't drink dairy before he got up to sing. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. he yeah. just <laughs> well, hit, hit makes, every note. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me think like I've been reading, I've read a number of articles on worship recently where the, the author is actually making the exact opposite point. Like, we need to stop calling it worship leading. We need to start calling it song leading. Because, and, and there is that, there is that other side where people would say that we, we shouldn't call it worship because that implies that other things aren't. Mm-hmm. Which, 
It is true. There are other ways to worship. But mm. uh, at least my personal experience is in the churches that use terminology other than worship, you know, you end up doing what you say you're doing. Right? Mm. If you're calling yourself a song leader, typically all you're doing is practicing songs to sing. Mm-hmm. And there isn't that spiritual power. There isn't that hosting the Holy Spirit in the same way that those that carry it as worship leading. Yeah, yeah. And and I realize that some to some that's just semantics about terms. Right. But what we call things does matter. Yeah. And I understand again. I understand why someone might want to lean towards saying, "Well, let's just call this, you know, song leading or just just music or yeah. whatever." But I, in my experience has ripped all meaning out of that because at that point it is karaoke. It is, mm-hmm. you know, a good performance yeah. that it would be appropriate to clap at the end of. Right. Yeah. As opposed to actually meeting the Holy Spirit in an experience with people. That carries a very different kind of weight yeah for sure and i had the opportunity to actually lead a two-hour set during the 24-hour you know worship experience just a couple months ago awesome and there weren't very many people there and there was a lot of coming and going but that wasn't my concern Mm -hmm. because the chief concern was to worship the lord the chief concern was to have that kind of what's in the overflow of your heart to come out as a response to God's goodness. Honestly, and this hasn't always been my attitude, mm-hmm. but I really didn't care. Yeah. No, that's great. That there was anyone in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice when there were. Right. And when the one person that was there for, at one point looked like they were sleeping, okay. Right. That's great because yeah. it's not about that. Right. Yeah. Yep. And part of it has to be humility, right? You, yeah. You, there has to be a level of humility of a worship leader. To recognize that you are standing on a stage, people are staring at you, or maybe you're, you know, recording videos or whatnot, if you're like an online worship leader for an online church or something. But people are watching you, they're looking at you, and you have to take away that, like, desire to be the person. Mm -hmm. Like, you have, you really, it's, you really have to learn humility and I don't think humility is something that you can just be told to turn on and off. It's actually like a, it's a characteristic that comes from knowing Jesus. So it comes from having the fruits of the spirit. And uh, it's one of those things I feel like um, is so important in ushering people towards the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're ushering them towards the presence of you. And that is not good. There's actually a church that I knew of that for Lent one year they decided to change the configuration of the room where the band was actually in behind the people. Uh-huh. And so when you're facing the front, you don't see the band. All you see is a cross. And it was an attempt to orient or focus to the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you always have to be in the back of the room. But to kind of make a point, that's kind of a cool thing, right? Because we mm-hmm. are just looking to the cross. We are looking to that powerful thing that jesus did for us that is the foundation Mm -hmm. of our faith and we're not just singing songs yeah i also think that um it's important to have the mindset as a worship leader that 
your the way that you lead physically is going to change the way that the room is like set up so i've heard this theory that um most worship leaders can read the temperature of the room mm-hmm. like they can see it they're mm-hmm. they're a thermometer yep a really good worship leader is a thermostat mm-hmm. not only do they, do, do they read it they can change the yep. spiritual temperature in the room and sometimes the way you do that is if you're feeling like this room needs more joy you lead them through that mm-hmm. and you don't do that by looking somber and playing somber songs yes you do that by looking joyful and clapping your hands and if you are able mm-hmm. to you would jump and yeah. you you know what i mean so it's all these expressions physically yeah. of worship that posture posture exactly yeah. The worship leader postures physically and sets the example. So now you're yeah. not just leading songs. You're actually leading people yeah. uh, by example. It's the imitate thing of leadership that yeah. we talked about on the last podcast, right? And I think that this sets up kind of the next question that was asked was, can you distinguish the difference between praise and worship? Because, oh yeah, you know, we, there's so many songs that are like, I this i that i i so it's, there's always this kind of fear that our worship is becoming self-centric mm-hmm. um and i think that this is where people have to understand that there's a difference between praise and worship right um so so what are your thoughts on on that like that rising trend of kind of singing about self mm-hmm. um is that more in the praise vein um you certainly don't want it in the worship vein yeah what's your what's your experience with that okay i pulled this up um, I pulled this up on my phone. This is a, from a sermon that Pastor Matt actually is speaking on a sermon series. So, I mean, great timing here. Perfect. Um, so worship, worship is you are singing to God. Yeah. It's all you, you, this, like, yes. Waymaker. Yes. Like you are here. Yeah. Moving in this place. I worship you. Yeah. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Like you're saying the names of God, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That is worship. Mm -hmm. Worship is not, um, you make me brave. (laughs) I'm going to attack that song a bit here. But like that's not worship, right? Right. Um, But we're told, I'm trying to find the exact verse. It says Ephesians 5, I think it is. Yeah, Ephesians 5, Paul says, speak to one another in psalms, Mm -hmm. hymns, Mm -hmm. and spiritual songs. Beauty. We need those to be defined. Yep. Right? So this is the most basic sentence for each one that I hope you guys will remember and carry this with you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay? A psalm. What is a psalm? A psalm is a song that is to God. Yes. Okay? Yep. So... Any song, like we were saying, you're singing to God, Mm -hmm. right? A hymn is not the songs that we find in that little brown book that was in (laughs) the back of the pew Mm -hmm. or hymns of glorious praise. Yes. A hymn is a song about God, Mm. a spiritual song. Mm -hmm. And this is where we often lose this definition. But a spiritual song is a song that's sung with God, Mm. right? Okay, so let me say those again. A psalm is a song to God. Yeah. A hymn is a song about God. Right. So declaring truth about God. Yeah. And a spiritual song is a song that's sung with God. So it's like a song that springs from the overflow of the prophetic atmosphere. So like a tehillah. 
experience. Absolutely, right? The whole point of this song, it helps us to magnify God, right? Yeah. yeah. It's the whole like when we go off the song sheet and we just start singing our own our own thing. Mm-hmm. Often, at least at Lake Mount, I'm sure it's the case at other churches, you've probably done this too while leading Jordan. You'll say in a moment after you know, you've kind of gotten to that crescendo musically, you're like sing out your own song to the Lord. You're leading people mm-hmm. to do their own spiritual song, which is cool. It doesn't have to be in tongues, <laughs> right? right? It can be, yeah. especially if you're charismatic. It yeah. can be, but it doesn't have to be. A spiritual song is you singing off the page, but whatever God is drawing up from the wells that's inside of you, right? I love that. And when you're an inexperienced worshiper and you're singing a spiritual song, even if you are an experienced worshiper, you can say very short little phrases that will connect what your heart is feeling in that moment toward God. So it's mm-hmm. like saying, thank you, Jesus, mm-hmm. or I love you, Jesus, mm-hmm. or um, a huge one for me, and this one's kind of funny, I've told this guy this, but I do missions trips in Guatemala and lead teams there, so I love the Spanish language. I just mm-hmm. connect with it in a deeper way than I ever did before. And uh, there's a guy at our church, his name's Fabio. And in worship, the one the one week I stood beside him and we were singing um, the one song that's like, you are holy, holy. Mm-hmm. And he's singing it in Spanish. Mm. And I've sung that song so many times and him singing it in Spanish was just like a whole other level mm-hmm. of the presence of God on that. Mm. And so now when I'm in a worship set and I feel like I've come to that place of, and this is not from the, not from like into the microphone. This is myself worshiping God from like with the congregation. Oftentimes I'll just start worshiping him with the basic Spanish phrases I know. Cool. So like to say you are holy is tu eres santo. Hmm. I'll say that. And the presence of God hits like faster (laughs) in the timeline. Yeah. Than if I was to say that in English, even just now, as I said it, I felt yeah. like the presence of God um, yeah. in a non-spooky way. I just, you know, whatever, got like the chills or whatever. But when yeah. I say it in English, it wasn't the case. Yeah. So it's part of that for me is establishing a history with God. Right. But knowing that the spiritual song is going off the page and often is the prophetic mm. and can be just you saying something in English or you saying something in another language that you're learning Mm -hmm. or, and that could be a spiritual language that you don't actually know. Mm -hmm. Right. It's really good to have a definition of those things. Yeah. Because yeah, I've often, you know, wondered what exactly are you referring to? Right. Mm -hmm. And Psalm is kind of easy because there's literally a book of them. Right. (laughs) So that that's, and what's on the wellness nights, at the community center, we've been going through some of the psalms, and there is just such depth and such richness to yeah. to that. But yeah, speaking to God, and it's raw, right? Yeah, David or whatever the other writers are of it. Like David wrote probably a good fifty percent of the psalms, so yeah. they're not all him. But yeah. um, the rawness in it, you'll find that even if he's singing about like I'm gonna stomp the head of my enemies, or God, I need you to stomp the head of my enemies. Or I'm feeling like I'm in the miry pit, like Psalm 40, right? Like, 
I, I reached out to God and he heard my cry and he pulled me up out of the pit. It always, you might be, when you're reading it, it sounds like it's a negative place, but he always ends on giving God praise. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of the Psalms too, in our wellness setting is because like it speaks to David's own mental health struggles mm-hmm. and his, how his spiritual uh, faith uh, and his spiritual health was lifting his spirit and lifting his focus like we can become so so stuck on our feelings of anxiety depression fear you know you name the the cluster of things that are constantly bombarding us and david recognizes those things and go i look like this right now but i know my hope comes my help comes from you god Mm -hmm. and you can take this situation and bring me to that place where I can stand in worship and pureness again. And Chris, you mentioned, you know, anxiety, depression, challenges. And one of the things that way that we're wanting to do is to, the phrase you've used is create a low anxiety worship environment. Mm -hmm. And so Chris, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what do you mean when you say low anxiety? So a low anxiety worship environment is going to be kind of a, just a test thing we want to do. Just, uh, we're surrounded by so many people with, uh, neurodiverse diversities or divergences, um, whether it be autism spectrum disorder or even different levels of ADHD, uh, PTSD, we have a lot of people kind of in our circles that are kind of on a struggling journey. And so to create a church service where they can come without the fear of the drums, uh, drums can be a trigger for a lot of uh, people who experience worship in different ways just because of the boomingness of it. Uh, especially for people with PTSD, it's been proven to be kind of an issue. And even just high volumes for people who have sound sensitivity and whatnot. So we're creating, is trying to create a service where it's worship is used on raw acoustic instruments uh, with natural lighting and um, very clear expectations. Like the service is going to be fairly predictable so to keep anxiety down. And uh, the communication of what songs are being sung will go out prior to. So you're coming into a place where you have an understanding that there's not going to be a greeting time. You don't have to fear shaking hands, um, but there will be uh, like fellowship after. And if you are comfortable to attend that fellowship, you can. If you're not, bless you on your path. We just want to create a space where the people who are um, sensory, sensory stimulated can come and we're, we're not claiming that it's going to be safe a sensory safe space but it's going to be low anxiety and we're going to try our darndest to make sure that those people feel included uh, at church because my experience of being in bigger church like you know you got 30 40 50 people sometimes out in the foyer because they can't handle the volume or they can't handle the, the lights they can't handle the people next to them whatever it might be so we're trying our idea of creating a low anxiety service um, just for those people, uh, just creating a safe space for them. And I'm really excited about that mm-hmm. because I too have seen like those people in the lobby and mm-hmm. it's great that you're coming, mm-hmm. but we want to make sure that it's an experience that fits where your yeah. needs are. And one of the things that I, I love about God is that when we honor God, that's actually a blessing to people yeah. because of God's love for people. And being heavily connected to that community with my own family, my own daughter, 
Uh, I know a lot of those families that that struggled with that post COVID did not go back to church, right? They they saw it as their opportunity to um, bring church to their living room where there's video and the sound is controllable and they if it's getting out of hand they can turn it off or whatnot. So we're just going to try something. We would like them to get back in community more than go back to church. We're not trying to create a church for them. We want them back in community and community with like, like people too, like people struggling, uh, you know, caregivers, parents of these, of kids with neurodivergences and, and PTSD, like the caregivers need that space as well. They need that community as well. So we're trying to create support also for caregivers. We're trying to create a, a space to do church community without that intensity that comes with what we would call legacy or, or regular church or whatever you want to call it. it, it that that style of, of church service doesn't work for everybody anymore and we're just going to try something different. And yet we're, they're going to be both types of services that way. But we do want to try this as an afternoon service and allow uh, people to experience just a slightly different version of worship to build community around a, a, a marginalized community. That's cool. Because when we're trying to introduce people, we're being tour guides. Mm-hmm. Part of being a tour guide is knowing who you're inviting on the tour. Mm-hmm. And is a part of just basic hospitality that to know that again if if we didn't have those people in our midst that wouldn't be something we would need to focus on but that is something that we know that's an identified need yep. so we have that opportunity to to bless people in that way and so while we're while we're here AJ is there anything just kind of burning in your heart that you want to say about worship that hasn't come up yet hmm big question um Uh, there were a few things I thought of. I'm going to tell a story. This is something I thought of earlier, and I I wanted to hit on this. Um, I already mentioned that I've led a couple trips to Guatemala with the team and that kind of thing, right? Yes. And, um, I think it's important for us to establish a history with God that includes spaces. Mm. Um... For me, I found a lot of my calling was clarified in this very specific church in the town of Chickamalia in Guatemala. Mm. And um, I have very specific moments with God. Um, I'm trying to think without over-explaining things. Mm. Um, but I have found that there is a difference when we're talking about the difference between a song leader and a worship leader. This is the biggest difference. Okay. I'm in a country that speaks a language that I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're singing songs that I don't know. I don't know what they're singing about. Mm-hmm. They could be singing like, Katy Perry's hits like I have no clue what they're singing about right Mm -hmm. it's completely different language it's foreign to me yet the presence of God was so tangible in that place and God spoke so very clearly to me Mm. like in ways that I had never experienced before 
during a worship set. And what, the way that I, I picture it, and I want to, this is why I bring this up, is that the presence of God can transcend language. It doesn't matter. It does matter, but it doesn't matter what is like, I got to be careful with my wording here. (laughs) Yes. God can transcend language. Yes, he can. Like you can pray for somebody who is deaf. Yep. Literally cannot hear your words. Yep. And God can touch them in that moment and heal them, or they can feel the presence of God when you're praying for them. Or, um, like there's just something about the presence of God and the anointing of a worship leader that can transcend the language to where you can hear them singing a song that you don't know and you can feel the tangible presence of God. And it can shape destiny. It can give you um, confidence and boldness to do things that maybe you wouldn't have done. Um, Like I've prayed for a girl in a wheelchair there. Um, Actually, a person on our team prayed for her. I'm not going to take the credit for this. This wasn't me. During a worship service, this girl comes in. She was a medical doctor and uh, got diagnosed with lupus, like literally was given weeks to live. Like she was in terrible shape, like hadn't been out of bed for like, I think three months or something at this point. But the family um, heard that there were people from Canada coming who were going to pray for the sick. That's all they knew. (laughs) So they bring her and roll her in in a wheelchair and um, keep in mind she's a medical doctor yes we pray for her and um, like after the service we're like doing ministry time at the altar and we're praying for people in English like we don't there's only so many translators on a team when you have like 15 people right yep. so we're praying for people and like I'm literally mid-sentence praying for this guy. (laughs) My interpreter turns his head and is like, oh, wow. And this girl who came in in a wheelchair is walking, like with the help of the senior pastor, who, by the way, is also a medical doctor and knows everything about her um, and her situation. And there she's being led by the hand and she's walking for the first time in like four months. Wow. Like, we pray for people in English who don't know any English except for like maybe hello. <laughs> and the power and the presence of God transcends language. And mm-hmm. like they just start breaking down in tears yeah. or suddenly the pain leaves their body yeah. that they didn't even tell you they had. Yeah. Like these are experiences that I've seen firsthand that yeah. are, you can't explain it in any other way except yeah. that when the mix of Holy Spirit's present and the anointing of the leadership and it's all together in the package deal, basically of what's happening in ministry, people can find true freedom. Yeah. Right. And what's incredible too is now translate that context to a a non-believer checking out church for the first time. Yeah. Like they maybe don't understand half the language of what's being sung. Right. But they can feel the anointed presence of God in that place. And it's 
staggering and life-changing mm-hmm. for them to experience it. And so many people that I know who are more recent Christians um, found their faith in those worship moments of like, I don't know how to describe what I just experienced, but I know that God is real because of he touched me or he spoke to me or he he drew near and I knew he was there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so cool. I mean, from a human perspective to know that God draws near, mm-hmm. right? When we draw near. Yeah. yeah. And that the responsibility of a worship leader is to draw near to God so that others would draw near to God. Yeah. For sure. So cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, AJ, for spending the summer with us. <laughs> Three great conversations. I'm really grateful that you're here. Great to have you back sometime. Yeah. And uh, Chris, always good to talk to you as well. No and so thank you so much for tuning in. We are really looking forward to starting in September journeying through the book of James and so be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be a part of that conversation and go to awayniagara.ca or social media to just to be aware of everything that is going on including low anxiety worship services our wellness uh, nights in the smithville arena all the different things that are going on within way and so with that i say thank you so much for tuning in bye for now